Well, we're going to step into this morning a, a one-part sermon series called Forged. And so I want to begin our time together by, by inviting you with me to a place. In fact, I want to invite you to a galaxy far, far away, a long, long time ago. I want you to imagine this magical place, a place where you could go with your family, your entire family, right into a restaurant filled with people and eat whatever you wanted. I want you to imagine going into Menards or Walmart or Target or any store, wherever you are, without a face mask and walking in and buying whatever you want because everything is fully stocked. I want you to imagine a place where you can get in a car or get on a plane and go anywhere in the world if you want to go. Right? All this magical land that it's hard to even remember that life used to be like this before COVID-19. In fact, not that long ago in January, it was my wife's birthday and I wanted to do something really special for her. And so I was surprised her with the trip. I told her we were going to her parents' house up in Rockford and, and we did but we just went there to drop off the kids. When we pulled up, they said goodbye, they took the kids, and we were off to Minnesota for a special shopping spree for my wife's birthday. And we went to the, the Mecca of shopping, which is the Mall of America, any store you could ever imagine. And I actually got a hotel room at the mall. Yes, they actually have hotels connected to the Mall of America. So that meant that my wife could fall asleep wake up, walk right into a store basically and start shopping all day. And when she got tired, just walk right back into her hotel room. And, and that's what we did. But I have to tell you, I have to confess, I did have ulterior motives. And, and this is what was really driving me, not just to make my wife happy, but I, I did have something that was kind of selfish. You see, after work, my wife comes home and she gets into her, her comfy clothes. Now, that doesn't sound that bad, but let me explain what these comfy clothes are. Imagine you're in the local fitness center, and there's a 60-year-old guy running on the treadmill. What he is wearing, which is old, ratty sweatpants from high school, that's what my wife wears. That's what my wife considers comfy. And I just couldn't handle it anymore, because every time I looked at her, I thought of my eighth-grade basketball coach. And so it was time for a change. I handed my wife the credit card and I said, go buy whatever you want, but you have to buy new comfy clothes. And that was hard for her because it would be hard for any of us because as humans, this is what we do. We take something that had a purpose, right? It served us well. And we get, we get used to it. We get comfortable with it. It's, it's our normal, right? It's, it's what we hold on to. And then we get emotional about it. And then after it has stopped having its purpose, serving its purpose, we have such a hard time getting rid of it. In fact, we might even fight with somebody to keep it. As we enter into our reading this morning out of Scripture, we actually encounter that same human tendency to have something that served a purpose, that becomes normal and comfortable to us. We begin to love it and attach emotion to it. And then once it loses its purpose, it's really hard to let go of, right? We fight to keep it. In fact, we might even kill to keep it. This is the story. This is the piece of history that we read this morning in the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. 
So as we, we start this piece of history, we encounter a group, right? There's the word they. And the group that we're encountering, this is the disciples without Judas because he had betrayed Christ already and he was not in the picture anymore. So we have the 11 remaining disciples and they've been on quite a journey. It started by Jesus going to them and inviting them to be his disciple. He said, come follow me, which is an invitation that Christ offers to every one of us, right? Come follow me, come be my disciple, come be a son and daughter of the king. Right? Come be a follower of Christ. That's the invitation that Jesus offers to every one of us. And these disciples, they received that promise, right? They took him up on his offer. And for three years, they followed Jesus around. Every moment of every day, they watched him do ministry, and they learned to do ministry. But then something horrific happened. Jesus was falsely accused put on a cross, and he died. And these disciples, they lost their savior. They lost their friend. They lost their normal. And we all get this right now, don't we? Because before the COVID-19 crisis, we were used to our normal, right? We had our, our weekly schedule. We had our calendar. We had our workflow. We had the restaurants that we always liked to go into. We had the coffee shops where we, we met our friends, Right, we even had our spot that we sat every weekend at church. And all of that was stripped away. All of our comfort, all of our normality, everything was removed from us and we felt extreme loss. That's what these disciples were feeling. And that's why they were so excited when Jesus came back, right? He rose from the dead, he came back to them and what did they want? They wanted to return to normal. But that's not what Jesus had planned. You see, there was something better planned. There was a, a new normal plan. And so he told them, look, I have a mission for you. I have a purpose for you. I want you to tell this story to the world. And then he ascended into heaven. And that's where we step into this moment in history. This next thing that happened to them was this festival called Pentecost. You might have heard of it called the, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. It was a time when people, Jews from all over the world, would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate the corn harvest and to celebrate the giving of the Mosaic Law. And so these disciples who were Jewish men, right, they came to Jerusalem, just like good Jewish men, to experience something normal, comfortable, something they had experienced year after year after year after year. They were stepping into this moment of Pentecost, which is a Greek term meaning the 50th day because they held it on the 50th day after Passover. What they thought was going to be a normal festival was going to be something completely different, a completely new normal. You see, this is what happened. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each and every one of them. So there's all this craziness happening. There's this, this loud noise like the rushing wind. There's fire, right? There's all of these things that are happening that catch our eye, that catch our attention. But I don't want you to miss this important part. Look where they are. It says they're in a house. They're in a home. This is where this amazing thing happens. 
This is where God comes to meet man. Not in the tabernacle. Not in the temple. Right? Not even in a synagogue. Not in a church building. God shows up in their very home. And this is what he does. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. You see, God met man in this home and he gave them the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is nothing new. Just how the Holy Spirit is operating now is going to be a new norm. The Holy Spirit has always existed. It's, it's part of the Trinity. And we actually see it pop up in the Old Testament time and time and time and time again. But the way the Holy Spirit is functioning here is something completely new and completely different. In fact, this is what happens. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. You see, as this amazing thing was happening inside this home, the Holy Spirit was indwelling these disciples, living among these disciples, living within these disciples. Pentecost was going on, right? We can't forget what was going on. Pentecost was going on, which means all these Jewish people were in Jerusalem. Now, why were they in Jerusalem? What's so significant about Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is the place where the temple is. And to understand the significance of the temple, we actually have to back up to the beginning of the story. And the beginning of the story, that's where Adam and Eve were, right? They lived in paradise with God in perfect relationship with their creator. They had dialogue and conversations. It was perfect. It was paradise. But then they disobeyed God and they brought sin into the conversation. And so they were removed from paradise and that relationship with God, which was perfect before then, it was broken. And that's where the story of the Bible comes in. Because the story of the Bible and the story of God is his constant pursuit of us. Generation after generation after generation, God comes after us to bring us back, to restore us once again. And in the midst of that conversation, in the midst of that history, that's where we have things like the tabernacle show up. The tabernacle is this big tent where God would come down and meet man. After the tabernacle was Solomon's temple. And once again, this was a place where God would come down and meet man. Where after Solomon's temple was destroyed, then came Herod's temple. This is the temple that existed when Jesus walked around and, and the temple that existed during this time. Once again, this was a place and a space where God would come down and meet man. You understand how significant the temple was? the place where God would interact with his creation, you can see why this was so significant and why they were gathering in Jerusalem for this celebration. They were going there to be in that relationship, to be connected to God. But what they missed along the way is that God actually came to them. Jesus came to them. Jesus templed among us. He was the walking, talking, healing temple. And he said some things along the way that they didn't like so much. In fact, he told them that the temple was going to be destroyed. And they were emotionally attached to the temple, even though the real temple was right in front of them. In fact, this is one of the reasons that Jesus ended up on the cross. Because how dare he defy the temple? So they actually killed the temple. 
and put him on the cross. But then God did something amazing. You see, Jesus said, look, if I go into heaven, actually something better is going to happen. And something did happen that was better. You see, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into every believer's heart, which means in that moment, God set up shop. He set up a temple in every one of his followers. Unbelievable. This is what happens. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. You see, the Holy Spirit always around, was around, but now the Holy Spirit was doing something amazing. Not only was he indwelling believers, but he was infilling these disciples with amazing powers. He was allowing them to communicate and connect God with the whole world, no matter what language they spoke. This is an amazing work of God. And this is their response. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. You see, as these disciples began to proclaim the truth of God in, in, in the language of the people, whatever, whoever needed to hear, they spoke to them, right? God was meeting man face to face in this moment. People had two responses. The first group said, whoa, what is God doing? What does this mean, right? What is, what is God doing in this amazing moment? And the others said, no, they must be drunk. You see, there was two groups of people. Those who said, wow, Wow, what is God doing? In the midst of everything changing, in the midst of this new normal, in the midst of all this chaos, what is God doing? Wow, what is God going to do? And then there's the other group. And they said, whoa. Whoa, in the midst of this amazing moment in history, undeniable that God is working. They say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is uncomfortable. This isn't normal. This isn't how it's been done in the past. This is not how God has worked in the past. And, they, and they, they pushed against it. In the same way today, we do the exact same thing, don't we? We land in one of these two camps. We either say, wow, what is God going to do in this moment, right? In this crisis, what is God going to do? How is, gonna, how is God going to bring about something good? How is God going to change the world in, in the midst of a pandemic? Or we say, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't normal, right? The way we're doing things, it's not normal. It's not what we've done. It's uncomfortable. I, I don't like it. And we start pushing back. And the problem with that is we're not pushing against the right thing. We're actually pushing against God and, and what he's doing in every moment of our life. God, this makes me uncomfortable. God, this isn't normal. God, I, I don't like it. So, so we're just going to kind of stop this. 
So Peter responds to both of these groups. This is what he says. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. So Peter looks at both groups, right? The group that says, wow, what is God doing? And the group that says, whoa, I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. It's something new and different. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. But Peter speaks to them both in love because Peter loves them and he wants them to understand what God is doing. In fact, we should learn something from Peter that unless we're speaking from a tone of love, we shouldn't approach people. Peter loved God and loved man, right? He fulfilled the great commandment, and so he spoke into this moment. He didn't walk away. He didn't say, I'm just irritated. You're not listening. Forget you, right? He spoke into this moment because he loved them, and he wanted them to understand. So he went to the people who said, whoa, 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 God has never operated this way. God has never said he was going to operate this way. And he actually goes back to a traditional writing, right? Something from the Old Testament. He goes to the prophet Joel to convince them. And this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon your slaves, both men and women, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. There's a lot going on here with the prophet Joel. But what the prophet Joel is communicating with all, all, all this really, really amazing, poetic, apocalyptic language is what he's saying is, God is going to use times that are uncomfortable. God is going to use times that are not normal. God is going to change everything. But God doesn't just change things to change things. You see, God changes things for really two reasons. The first one is this. He changes things and changes the, the normality of our lives, and he allows things to happen because, one, it catches our attention. Right? When things go awry, when we experience crisis in our life, when everything is shifting around us, God gets our attention, and we turn and look at God because we start trusting in God, the only thing that's left. The other thing that God does in moments like this is he advances his mission. Right? He, he creates a new norm in our life. Once he gets our attention, he pushes us back into the purpose and the mission that he has called us to do. He actually produces something better in our lives. He produces something better in our ministry so we can better carry out his mission to proclaim his name to the nations. In fact, this is exactly how Joel finishes his writing. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why does God allow this stuff? He gets our attention to move us back into mission. Because what does he want to happen? The same thing he's wanted to happen from the beginning. He wants us to be in relationship with him. He's in pursuit of us to invite us to follow him. 
So today, on this Pentecost Sunday, this is a very special day for the church. This is when the church was formed. This is when the church was forged. This is the birthday of the church when everything began. But this is what I'm beginning to learn about birthdays. And this is what you probably already know about birthdays. Every birthday is a celebration, but every birthday is a funeral. Every birthday is a celebration, but every birthday is a funeral. Hear me out. Think about it. If you have kids or grandkids, when that child turns two, you celebrate because that child is two years old, right? You get him a cake and you celebrate, but you also grieve. There's also a funeral because that is a toddler now and not a baby. You celebrate a birthday, but you lose that, those baby years. Think about when you turned 18, you were so excited to be an adult. Now you're a man, now you're a woman, but you grieve the loss of your childhood. As we get older, every time we, re- we make that revolution around the sun, we celebrate our birthday, but we leave something behind. We might not be as athletic anymore, right? We might have more aches and pains. Every birthday is a celebration, but every birthday is a funeral. And the same is true of the church. It's the same as true. They celebrated the Holy Spirit coming, the Holy Spirit indwelling believers. But because the Holy Spirit began to temple among believers, that meant that a funeral was coming. And the funeral was for the temple. You see, the temple had served his purpose, but the temple was no longer needed. As soon as Jesus showed up, he was the temple. And now the Holy Spirit came and and templed among us which means it no longer had a purpose. And that's why Jesus could say, look, the temple is going to get destroyed, which of course got people very worked up. But what happened? His prediction came true. In 70 AD, the temple was wiped out, never to be seen again, because it no longer had its purpose. It was no longer necessary, because the Spirit was now templing among us. This is good news for us. This was good news for the early church because they didn't have a church building. Go ahead, look it up. There's no church building that they met in. Yeah, they met in the temple for a little bit before that was destroyed. They met in some synagogues before they got booted out, but they spent their time in homes, which means just like us recently, our church did not close because God's church cannot close. It doesn't matter what our governor says or our president says or anyone else in authority. It doesn't matter what they say. The church cannot close because we are the church. Which means in the middle of this abnormality, in the middle of this crisis, when we were uncomfortable and we didn't like it, God did something amazing. He actually expanded our reach. He opened a worship service in Sterling, in Rock Falls, in Morrison, in Dixon, in Polo, and the list goes on, even states across our nation. Because we are the church. And right now, God is getting our attention. And soon, we'll probably regather. Soon, we'll have that comfort where where all of our temples come together and we gather together and we strengthen each other and there's such great benefit to that. But as we do, I don't want you to miss out on this very important lesson that we should be learning, is that we are the church. 
We are the temple, which means seven days a week, 24 hours, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are God's tool. We are God's gift to the world. We are God's way that God comes down and meets man. Because on this day, the church was born. And the church was not born because they built a building. The church was born because God came to live in our hearts. Let's pray.